But you know me by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you'd hoped you'd never hear again. Everybody, thank you for listening. This is an open letter, and my name is Dave, as you probably caught through the intro. And I want to introduce the rest of the team that I have with me here today. To my right, I have my lovely girlfriend, Carol. Carol, can you say hi to everyone? Hi. And the crowd has some light applause. I've got Matthew. Say hi. Hello. There he is. We haven't had Matt here for a while. It's good to have him back in the studio. And then we have our producer, Mr. Chad. Oddly enough, he seems to get more applause than the rest of us. Love y'all. Love y'all. He has control of the soundboard, hence the sound effects. That's right. But that's okay. If that's what you need to make you happy, I have no problem with that. precisely what I need. Because he has a big grin on his face right now. He's very happy (laughs) with this. I enjoy it. Um, we always start the show off the same way, a little thing we like to call off the cuff. I have not asked my team this question, so they're trying to think of it right now and answer. So here is the question today. So if you had a choice for an evening out of entertainment, would you go see a stand-up comedian, go see a play, live theater, go to a concert, go to a movie or would you just kind of do some type of a, a sporting event? Go to like to see the White Caps or the Tigers or whatever your local team is. If you had to choose between those five things, stand-up comedian, live theater, concert, movie, or sporting event, what one are you going to go to? I'm assuming you mean cost is no issue and we get to choose like performer, correct? Right, right, right. Because I mean like for me, if you said, Dave, you could go see uh, some comedian you've never heard of at the local comedy theater or comedy club, or you could go see a country music concert, I'm never going to choose the country music concert over anything. But that's me. So I would probably say the theater if it were a quality production. Absolutely. Live theater is awesome. I love it. Matthew, what you got? Definitely a concert or a movie. Oh, concert or movie. Concert or a movie, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, and by the way, Meyer Gardens is an excellent venue to see a performance. And they have a lot of good people come in. They do. They have some I good have concerts coming up. I wanted to do that. That's on my bucket list. Yeah, that's easy for us to do because that's here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So if you are outside the Grand Rapids, Michigan viewing area or listening area, you can come visit. It's a beautiful city to visit. Just Google. Just Google it. Frederick Meyer Garden. The Cashmeister. That'd be me. What is your answer to this pertinent and timely question? A sporting event. Oh, yeah? Which one? I would love to go back to the big house. Oh, Not, only one time? I've only I've been there three times. Oh, okay. So when's the last time you went? It was a couple years ago. I was there for Lloyd Carr's last season. Oh, um, yeah. By the way, for the listeners, the big house is in reference to Michigan Stadium, where the University of Michigan plays football. I was going to ask about that, because I've always heard the big house is a euphemism for prison. No. It is. It is. It, it, is. Is. it, is. it is. It is. Chad is itching to get back <laughs> in the big house. <laughs> I miss my three squares a day. 
and nothing to do all day. I've been there under Lloyd Carr, um, Rich Rod, and Brady Hoke, and I'd love to go see Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I um, I did not go to a game last year. If this was me, and I absolutely could, like, Carol qualified, probably my favorite thing and the, one of my greatest things to do in the, all the world is if I could go to a U2 concert and be on the floor next to the stage, that would be a sublime experience, which I don't think anything else could match. And if there were an opportunity for a meet and greet, that would be close to heaven for him. Because we did that a couple of weeks ago. We went and saw a, a group called Blue October in Detroit. We went and actually did a meet and greet, got to meet the band very, very briefly, of course. But it was very cool, a lot of fun. They're actually coming to our town this November, which we might go see. We are going to get moving right on to our issue for the day, our topic. It's a very timely topic. It's something people are talking about a lot right now, and we're certainly talking about a lot more a few weeks ago. And this topic is not going away. And this is a topic of sexuality, of transsexuals, bisexuals, homosexuals, that everything that's swirling around and all the conversations people are having about this. We want to address this because one of the points of this podcast is we're trying to talk about topics that are very controversial and uh, very sensitive because we want to be able to inject a faith-based perspective. Like, how should we be responding to these things? What types of conversations should we be having? And that's kind of what we're hoping to do in this podcast and in future podcasts with different things we talk about is we're going to talk about this from a faith-based perspective and get an idea of what's going on. What should we be thinking? What should we be saying about these things? How long ago was the Target bathroom thing? Maybe two months. Within the last two months, was it? Definitely. So within the last couple of months, the store Target decided that they were going to come up with a policy for their bathrooms. In essence, if I'm correct on this, is they're making all of their bathrooms unisex. Or they're allowing you, you to go to the bathroom, whatever gender you identify with, you can go into that bathroom. And I believe that's what they're, the essence of what they're doing. Precisely. For a lot of us, I mean, I'm almost 50 years old, and this was not something we were talking about at all or very, very little in the 80s when I was a teenager and going to high school and college. So this is a challenging subject for the church and even people outside the church as they're trying to grapple with this and trying to understand it. I think this is a subject that we, two years ago, probably didn't even think of either. From my perspective— I'm like, when did this all start? And that's a fair question, but I can tell you for me, this is something I've been I've been confronted with in my own life for various reasons, I should say. I've been aware of this topic for the last five, six years. I've had to really take a deep look at this and trying to understand it. So one of the reasons I have Matt and Carol on the show is because they're much smarter than I am and probably than Chad is. And so they like Probably to do, uh, <laughs> they like to do, they're more the, the academia, the researchers, they have college degrees and lovely things like that. I have a college degree. Yeah, I have two. You're not that smart though. Oh, I'm very intelligent. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you are a bright guy. But Matt, Carol love to do research and take a look at things like that. So my question for Matt and Carol is this, what is 
transgender and all this gender fluidity. Could you give me some definitions on this? Transgender is used to describe a person who identifies with the gender that doesn't match with the sex they were assigned at birth. I believe that you and I looked this up a while ago, uh, the number of terms that are being used to define the different terms that I think I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, to describe the different types of genders that people identify as. Is that, would that be the appropriate way of saying that? I think so. For those of you who are listening, if you identify as, as transgender, please forgive my ignorance, my my lack of knowledge in this area. This is something I'm trying to learn about. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to be belittling or condescending at all. I really am trying to understand. Uh, so if I say something that's incorrect, I'd like your feedback, actually, because I, I really don't want to offend people. So someone who identifies as transgender, how many terms did we find to identify gender? Approximately 63, I believe. Okay. And I think that's, I remember that in the, it was over 60. So I know that there's some of you listening right now, your mind is blown and you are thinking, how could there be 63 different genders? This makes no sense to me. And for those of you who understand that and have researched that and identify as that, you may be surprised and concerned that there's a ton of people out there that have no idea what any of this means. So I want to start the podcast with this. What's going on? What does all this stuff mean? We're not going to go into all 63 definitions. Could you give us some basics to guide us? Well, one thing to understand to start off with is that sex is associated with biology. It has to do with what organs you possess. And gender is more how you identify. It's your identity. Whether you identify yourself as male or female, masculine or feminine, or non-binary, which means neither. And so we're finding things, there's corporations that are responding to this. There are, you know, states that are responding to this. There are school districts. We know that President Obama, within the last couple of months, uh, also had some things to say about this. Uh, What what was it again that uh, President Obama had to say about uh, bathrooms, I believe? I believe he was saying that we should allow children to use in, in elementary schools and, well, in schools, to be able to use the bathroom with whatever gender they identify as. Is that the gist of it, you think, guys? I'm under the impression it's very similar to what the target bathroom policy is, is that a student should not feel ashamed to, if they identify a male who identifies as a female, should not feel ashamed to, to go into any bathroom that they identify themselves. So we've got a lot of terms here, and I think there's a lot of confusion for people who are not in this, oh, I don't even know what the right word is. They're not identifying as transgender. You might have someone who's just like living in Michigan or living in Kansas or I'm thinking Midwest and going, I don't understand all this and people are talking about it and I don't know what they mean. And uh, there's a lot of fear about this. I just looked it up. The Obama administration issued guidance directing public schools to allow transgender students to use bathrooms matching their gender identity. And there's a lot of concern and there's a lot of anger and, again, a lot of confusion about this, and we're hoping to shed a little bit of light. Gender fluidity is another term. That means that your gender identity changes over time. Is this something where people are saying this is a choice I'm making or this is genetic makeup and I was born like this? 
you have a sexual orientation, that which you're attracted to sexually, that's pretty solid. They say around the age of three, it doesn't change. Um, th that being said, it's quite obvious from both history and modern research that what you are attracted to sexually is fluid depending on situations. So, for instance, in ancient Greece, where um, male homosexuality was considered the um, highest form of love, um, all the men were bisexual. So there is an aspect of sexuality which is set, and there is an aspect of human sexuality which is certainly fluid. And, and we want to... Again, to bring it back to this is a faith-based show we all identify as Christians here, as followers of Jesus Christ, unashamedly. And it starts to get very complex, and in a minute we're going to talk about, well, what does the Word of God have to say about this? What should our response be about this? But I want to, I want to, I want to still stay on this topic of definitions for a minute. So you're saying that this whole the gender thing, um, and I don't say that lightly, but I don't know the right words. So this, this, the gender issue where we're trying to identify what we are, that is a choice thing. I wouldn't call it a choice. Is so much something that is influenced by the environment. Okay, so the environment's influencing people, and then people are responding to the stimuli in their environment and their culture? Exactly. As something becomes, if something becomes socially acceptable, um, people will experiment, try it, explore it, etc. So, you know, whether something is uh, socially acceptable or not is a very important factor in how people play out these gender roles. However, transsexual, that is a matter of choice. That's when people choose to use hormones or surgery to alter their bodies to match the gender that they identify as. So let's talk just a little tiny bit about some of these definitions. Explain to me what transgender means. Again, what is transgender? A transgender person is somebody who feels as if they are the gender opposite from the sex that they were given at birth. All right. Explain to me what a transsexual is. A person who chooses to change their physical appearance and functions to match how they feel. You also used a term called non-binary, I believe it was. Explain what that is again. Well, binary means there's a choice between two. Right. And a person who's non-binary says, I don't want to be restricted to those two choices. I'm neither male nor female. That one, honestly, it confuses me. Do you have an idea of how that plays out at all? How does that practically play out in the world? I guess I'm trying to think someone's like, I identify as non-binary because I feel restricted by male and female gender terms. Is that? Not just the terms, but behavior and dress and appearance. And I, we both know some people like this and... I would throw this back into uh, back in the seventies with David Bowie. With David Bowie, he was very sure. was it would would somebody who's androgynous. Exactly. 
be someone who is non-binary. If they may be, but this is the big thing. You need to talk to people. Don't make assumptions by what you see. Also, this isn't just about like how you dress. This is a fundamental identity that can't be altered when you're talking about someone who's transgendered, for instance. Um, it usually occurs quite young. Parents are often quite aware of it. Um, it's how people, for whatever reason, very feel, I mean, completely. However, as a professor, I have seen students that um, sort of transition between things in their years in college as they're experimenting and discovering who they really are. Well, I think it's more socially acceptable to experiment nowadays. So, Absolutely. And I think there's good and bad to that, you know, certainly. The term pansexual, what does that mean? I've heard that term as well. It means you're attracted to everything. Okay. That it doesn't, it doesn't matter what a person's gender identity or sexual identity is. They you can be, be attracted to any of them. This is somebody who is bisexual, but also attracted to somebody who's transgender, transsexual, right. the whole The thing. whole pantheon. I've heard it said that they're more attracted to the person inside. It doesn't matter what their gender or sex is at all. Gotcha. They're not male, female, asexual, pansexual. Any of that doesn't matter to them. Well, if they're asexual, there's not a whole lot of sexual attraction going on anyway. Well, that was the next I was going to ask. Asexual is another term I heard. Asexual. Go ahead. Give me the definition on that. Asexual. No interest in sex whatsoever. Okay. All right. So that gives us a little bit of some parameters for this, a few definers. And some of the people are listening right now and going, aren't people just making this up? Isn't this all pretend? Isn't this all in their head? I would have to say that is a broad question that can't be answered very easily because from a Christian perspective, it's not biblical. And I know that that is something that maybe nobody wants to hear, but I mean, you look at the scriptures, God created them male and female, male and female, he created them. So that makes them at that particular type of gender, but to simply say, that's it, then you're leaving out the factors that contributed to them thinking that way. There are a ton of opinions on this, and I had talked with a coworker about this who would not claim to be a believer, and she said that the research she's done is that one in 1,000 or 1,500 babies born have some type of genetic duplicity with the female attributes higher there's it's not a hermaphrodite necessarily because that is pretty rare from what i understand this is a very complex issue and i and i get what you're saying and i certainly believe in the word of god in the bible but yet things over the time period have changed immensely and many people would call that corruption the sin of affecting things well like left-handedness you know that's certainly a sin we know that no i'm kidding <laughs> i'm just a joke all you lefties. Yeah. It used kidding. to be thought that that came from the devil. Absolutely, and so did red hair. Don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> but never baldness. No, never Levit baldness. Leviticus thirteen forty says that if a man is losing his hair, he is bald. He is clean. Yes, 
And so you don't even have to take a shower. You're clean. Well, I think there may be some issues with that. <laughs> Back to but we have to be able to talk about these things and have conversations. And, and we, if you guys could, if you listeners could hear us in our, um, as we're talking about the show before we go on air, and you knew Chad and Carol and Matt and I, we disagree about this stuff at some point anyway. And we have to learn how to have rational conversations about difficult concepts. And we've got to be able to have a conversation that is, is civil. I think us as a team, though, that's what makes us pretty good is because we can handle each other. Chad <laughs> is going to represent kind of the conservative, Republican, Christian viewpoint. And what was it that person that emailed you called me? She said you were arrogant. I don't know. I From a bastion of liberal liberalism or something like that because I'm a professor. Right, right. And she didn't know you were a professor, though. She thought you sounded like a professor. I am. Yeah. No. So anyway, I doubt she listens anymore. So the term libtard. Yeah, that's not a very nice term. <laughs> I agree, by the way. That's not a very nice thing to say. No, it's not. that's not a helpful term. I could come up with a few comebacks to that, but I will refrain. Thank you, because terms like that aren't helpful. They're divisive. Exactly, Chad. I was just you using it as an example. Conservtard? Is that a thing? No, it's a conserviate. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, thank you. I got that. Thank you for spelling that out. I we, have a few verses, by the way. You do have some. I do, I do. I have some, and they're well, the right. basic ones. Well, all right, well, bring they're them the out. basic ones. Bring them out, my Genesis brother. Genesis 5.1 and Genesis one twenty seven pretty much say the same. Actually, all three pretty much say the same thing. A Genesis 5.1, in the day God created man, he made in his likeness, he created them male and female, and he blessed them and named them man. Genesis one twenty seven says, God created man in his own image, male and female, he created them. And Jesus repeats that when he's discussing marriage in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? So what's your point? My point is, is that there is a particular gender that God created each person to be. And so if somebody, you know, doesn't follow that, the question is how to deal with them. Uh, gluttony, right. gluttony is condemned in the Bible much more. So the question I would ask is why do we treat one group of people as outcasts? We're actually going to get there, Matt. We're, we're going to get there. And that is a, actually, I think your response is very good. We're just, we're going to get there in a few minutes because that is something we need to talk about. Absolutely. I want to be very, very careful here because I, Again, not trying to be offensive, but there is a large part, I would say there's probably a lot of believers, Christians, who would say, kind of what Carol was saying, this has come about because of sinfulness. There would be believers who say, well, God didn't want anyone to be born with a child to be born with cancer, and yet people are. You know, he, he didn't want sin, disease, sickness, any of that. Baldness. Freckles, oh. dimples, People they're all genetic who, mutations. They are. They are, but they're real, and they're not made up, and obviously we can see them. Over history, they have all been persecuted. For freckles? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, I laugh because it sounds humorous, but I'm sure, exactly. I'm sure that when that was happening, it probably wasn't funny. When they were putting people to death for various things they didn't understand— we know that humanity is very susceptible to these types of things and behaviors. 
And so we want to make sure, which goes into the next question is... Before you get into the next question, can I mention something that I think needs to be addressed real quickly? And that is the ideology of saying that sin, that, that transgenderism and all these things are the result of sin. I think that we need to clarify that it's not an individual person's sin, but the sin is in reference to the fall of man in general, as discussed in Genesis if there's people out there and they're about ready to shut this podcast off because they're like, wait a minute, this is who I am. How dare you tell me that the result of what I am is beautiful, what I am is wonderful, I've accepted it. The problem is, is you close-minded bigots who refuse to see anything beyond your own noses and anything that doesn't fit your norm, now you classify as sin just because it's comfortable for you. Please don't stop listening. We really want to hear from you and we want to consider but so we'd be able to have to have rational conversations about this stuff i think another question is i mean there have always been gay people and now that seems pretty vanilla but this explosion in really frankly odd gender identifications is this a something that's new has it always been there and people just suppressed it and now they are free to express it or are we looking at something where we're looking at a social change where people are free to define themselves as they want to and they're defining themselves in any way that they want to that is a great question matt and i'm glad you brought that up is this brand new stuff or has this always been here? We just didn't know about it. That's a very good question. I think it's always been here. You can see evidence of it through literature and throughout history. Of course, the whole LGBTQ uh, community, unfortunately, we lump all that together at times. And part of that's, uh, that's they've done that to themselves to some extent. And everyone who identifies as that, not, not everyone. But they're very different, right? That's not all the same thing, but... They've all been marginalized, they've all been persecuted, and they've bonded together for strength. Matt, I'm going to ask you, you brought the question up. I know you have a thought on this. Is this something brand new, or is this something that's always been there? Or is there something in between? I think that aspects of it have always been there, but I think that the proliferation we see now is the result of a radical change in American society. It's a change where there are no rules, where the most important thing is that you be whoever you want to be, and whoever you want to be is okay. I think that the way it's been portrayed and accepted encourages people to explore and experiment with things in a community that encourages it. And the result is, I mean, frankly, and I'm a little more on the liberal end of this one, but it's a morass of confusion. Let me ask you this. So, Matt, in what you just said, we have this community, this culture that is embracing change and the ability to self-identify with whatever I want that to be and look like, what are the positives of that? 
are there positives to that change happening in society? I just think that we are experiencing a time of of really complete social breakdown in terms of the family, in terms of divorce, and it leaves people in a vacuum where they're defining things without the normal standards, guidance, and examples that have traditionally defined how people develop. And what we have are people who are developing abnormally psychologically. And I don't mean any disrespect to anyone who is not normal gender conforming. Um, I've had plenty of friends. I've had a number of gay friends. I understand them and their perspective quite well. This huge new explosion of genders to me is something different. Frankly, I think if you talk to the people who are experiencing it, it's not some joyful liberation. No, a, no, no, no. It's a horribly confusing, painful, pr- painful process. And I think that's, I'm glad you brought that up. And I know, Carol, you have a response here, but I think we cannot forget that the people that are identifying this, this is not fun or easy. This is very difficult for them. They feel marginalized and, you know, there's a lot of hatred being cast away. There's no doubt about it. What did you want to add, Carol? Uh, Two things. First of all, let's try to avoid using normal or abnormal or other terms that might be offensive. You can stick with cisgender, maybe, which means identifying as the gender that you're born with. Yeah, it... It's hard because within this, like Matt said, this explosion, which we really are. And and again, this isn't going anywhere. So we have to learn. We need to deal with this and talk about it in non-offensive ways. Exactly. But I'm hoping that people will give us some grace because we don't know the non-offensive language yet. Right. But that that's my other point. No matter how we feel, and I'll probably say this a couple of times, no matter how we feel about this as an issue, we need to be treating these people with love. We do not want to add to the pain that people like this are exactly. already feeling because they are feeling pain. And I agree with you, Carol. I mean, when I say non-conforming, I just mean that they're not like the majority. I don't yeah. mean that they're... Yeah. So that being said, again, we probably will continue to use some terms that aren't correct, and we do apologize that affront uh, ahead of time. Well, and I, I struggle with that, too. As a professor, I... I'm challenged as to how do I address or talk about some of the students and especially in a foreign language where gender is very specific um, and every adjective, every, every term you use about a person is gendered. How do you choose and well, uh, without offending the student who's struggling already with rejection from their families and, and other and students? The other thing is I, I caution people. It, it seems like we're in a society that we live to be offended. I think there's two emotions that Americans love. It's, it's irritation and outrage. And sometimes I think we're just looking to be offended by something on both sides of the issue. And we just got to start having more grace for each other. Absolutely. And learning what each other's stories are instead of just automatically assuming that someone is or isn't something because they use the wrong word. I think that we've spent, what, two minutes with disclaimers? I think it's time to, I mean, by that, I mean, we're saying, oh, we don't mean to offend somebody. We don't mean to, it's because it's gotten to that point. Everyone's, everyone's offended about everything today. And some of it's legitimate. I'm offended that you just said that. I knew you would be. It's why I said it. 
And the problem is that it's the Christian community that is getting offended by things when we're the ones that are supposed to be extending the grace. Well, it's on both sides, honestly. Yeah, it's on both sides, but Christianity is not defined by hate. And I'm actually, for one, I'm sick of the response of the church to sin being hate, exclusion, etc., that is yeah. not the proper Christian response. Well, and and it, we can't expect the non-Christian to extend grace. We don't expect w- them to behave like Christ. We're the ones that are supposed to be but, doing that. But we want to be careful even in that, because even when you say that, and, and I understand where you're coming from, that is someone who is not a Christian would go, oh, so I'm not a Christian, so I don't know what grace is? I can't, I can't extend grace? We have no right to expect that of them. Well, here's the thing. We are not called to judge people outside of Christianity. Exactly. That's my point. There is a judge. Don't get me wrong. There is a judge, and we will all stand before the final judge one day. I absolutely 100% believe that. I am not that judge. You know, what I'm thinking is that something somebody had told me a long time ago, and I believe this with all my heart, is that someday we're going to get to heaven, and we're going to be surprised at who's there. But absolutely, we are going to be equally surprised at who's not. But the main point is, is we do not get to decide, and we're grappling with this, again, to use that word, this is difficult. There has been an explosion of this stuff. We're not, in our opinion, we're not handling it well as, as a body of Christ. We're not handling it well at all. I think I'm going to agree with Matt on this to, to wrap that last question up. To some extent, this has always been there. There have been humans around for so a very, very, very long time. And this isn't brand new stuff, but the proliferation of it and the extent that we're seeing and hearing about it now, obviously this is new. And and the, the more socially comfortable and the more socially acceptable it becomes, it will continue to grow. And we'll see more and more young people who are exploring and are confused and don't have the family structure that we had growing up. They're going to continue to explore in ways that we will consider non-normative. Because they're trying to find their true, authentic person and voice. That's really it. I mean, what you're saying is, it's not enough to say, "Oh, this is sin. This is wrong." No, I mean that. that it's not helpful. It didn't cut it, especially when it's your kid. Yeah. And there's more and more people. I just read a, a article with from Focus on the Family that was dealing with this issue, and I was, you know, surprised how um, compassionate it was because. When it's your kid, and uh, we're talking about a lot of people who this is their kid, it it changes quite a bit. Although, unfortunately, in some families, it doesn't change when it's your kid, and those kids are really hurting. The number of suicides among transgender youths is astronomical. And that's so, to your point earlier, Carol, as people who say we follow and believe Jesus Christ, my goodness, have you read what the man said? You know, if if Jesus, Chad, you were talking about this earlier, if Jesus was walking the earth today, I'm convinced he'd be handing out, hanging out with a transgender crowd at times because he cares for them. He, he aches where they ache. He understands their pain, and he wants to help them with their pain, just like the rest of us with our pain. Christ was a friend of drunkards and prostitutes. Right, not that transgender people are drunkards or prostitutes, although I'm sure there are some within that realm, but Jesus went to the marginalized of society and embraced them and loved them right where they were. I think more specifically we should probably say Jesus went to the people who were viewed as less than important. Correct. As 
homosexuals and transgenders and lesbians and queers and all the all terms. those people are looked at overall as being less than because Absolutely. they're not normal to everybody else. So Jesus would most likely be with those kinds of people. Loving I, on them. Yes. Getting to know their stories. And we are the extension of the body of Christ. We are Christ's body on this earth, and we are called to do and be the things that he did and said and was, and we're failing. And I want to talk about that. Matt, you brought up a good transition a minute ago. In what ways do you think, and this is just my opinion, you can disagree with me, let me know if you do. I'd love to hear your opinion as long as it's not hateful and blathering, um, because I'll just ignore that. I'm too busy. How is the church responding to this explosion that's affecting state governments, huge corporations? Well, you ignore it, right? <laughs> Partly. That's a response. I mean, I think the prevalent response is it's wrong and well, then, sinful and then wicked. You, and then you ignore it. Well, like you were saying earlier, Chad, how many pastors have you heard talking about the transgender issue? None. Not in our area. I think that the reaction between with regards to this issue has been very bipolar. Either there's really heavy-heated anger and hatred, right. or there's people who just seem to accept but all. But that and, is what our society is coming down to more and more. If you don't agree with me, if you're a Christian and you don't agree with me, you're wicked and sinful, and this is just a sign of the end times because demons are being released from hell and it's corrupting everything. And if you are on the other side, the far other side, Christians are stupid and ignorant and intolerant, and there's no middle ground. I think what I'm saying is from the perspective of within the church, you had asked what the reaction is from the church. The church is either no, I, I get reacting you. hatefully or, not, or reacting. We're not reacting. Overall, we're not reacting properly. So there's two ditches. There's almost always two ditches to every argument. And to summarize what I think your point is, that within the church, the response is, we're either going to be like, it's hateful, it's sinful, we need, we're not going to go Westboro Baptist on it, but they're evil people who, if given my druthers, we would put them all on an island and uh, blow it up. I mean, Which I have actually heard somebody say. Which is, I'm sorry, but if you believe that, then you should probably stop using the term Christian because you're not. And I know that's very, very strong. But if you think killing people is an answer for anything, then you do not follow Christ, that I understand. Meanwhile, the church has become basically accepting of what I believe are some of the underlying causes of this, the breakdown of the family, divorce. I mean, really, they're pretty much kind of openly tolerated now. Not completely, but to an extent which was unimaginable when I was a teenager. We, we accept what are some of the causes of this social breakdown and then we you know blame the individuals a lot of these people are teenagers i mean honestly that's so backwards i mean it's a really infantile response oh it, it is it's a fearful response I, i'm not sure if i completely agree with you because i pretty much all of us in this room have gone through a divorce right yeah i felt like the church wasn't accepting of divorce and i felt as if my kids were almost shunned by some of the other Christian young people. Well, uh, they, actually, they were, and there were some pretty mean things said to them at youth group events. It's, it's a funny thing, Carol, because to 
we're, and we're not going to go down this bunny trail because this is going to be, and it's a very important topic, which we definitely need to talk about. But the church does this horrible thing. In my experience, and hopefully your experience is different, those listening, is we will reject it and, and villainize and, and, and treat with contempt people who have come out of divorce, but yet it's huge in the church as well. Right. But I feel like if the people that go through those problems were more supported and the children of divorce were more supported, that it might help prevent some of these Absolutely. Problems. And that's but it gets back to the whole basic premise of we have to get to the place where we understand people's stories before we're judging them. Right. If you've read the gospels, if you've read the Bible, what is the main word Jesus uses to identify his father? How does he identify his father? What's the one the biggest descriptive of who God is? Love. God chooses to define himself as love. That has to be our starting point because it was his starting point. God so loved the world that he gave, right? God so loved the world that he judged everyone that he didn't like. No. That being said, I mean, I honestly, I, I don't know how to deal with this community. That's, that's like I fair. Say, gay people, like I mean, gay guy, that that seems so vanilla now. It's like, I, I, I get it. You know, you're attracted to dudes. Other than that, you know, it's pretty, pretty normal. Right. But this, I mean, I, I'm at a loss. It's new. It, it is not new in the sense that this is the first time people have been feeling this. But the volume of, of talk, hence this podcast, and response and reaction and people identifying this is unprecedented, which is why people are responding. How have you seen the church respond to this issue personally and or on Facebook? How do you see the church and Christians responding to this issue of transgender? With hatred and condemnation. 100% across the board? 95%. Because we're Christians too, and hopefully we're not responding with hatred and condemnation. Yeah, we're in the minority. So what have you seen? I've seen nothing. I mean, she works on a college campus. I don't see that. About, so I'm not saying it's not there, but I'm I'm not hearing anything. But how about memes on Facebook? Memes on Facebook, to me, are ridiculous. Agreed. But it is a representation. I don't think you take that stuff too seriously, and yet someone's still going out there spending time to express an opinion. And people see that which is why I had my senior pastor kind of get after me a couple of years ago and saying, you were kind of just causing trouble on Facebook. You're just dropping a grenade in the room and then you're running away and watching the reaction, which, of course, the internet term for that is a troll, and guilty as charged. That's what I was doing. I just wanted to get people riled up and watch them fight because it was entertaining to me, and, and I had to change that because it was wrong. So what we put on social media matters. Again, what are we seeing? We've got some kind of broad things. Give me more specifics. What we're not seeing is any of these people come to church. And why would that be, you think, Matthew? They don't feel welcome. Do you think they are welcome? Nope. Do you think they'd be welcome at our church? I think our church would do our best. But, I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I would even, you know, be a little bit, I wouldn't exactly know how to act. The church is failing. There's a book out by the Barna Associate Barna Research Group called Unchristian a couple of years ago. She's very good, talking about how we're becoming a post-Christian nation, and there's no doubt church attendance is, is falling across the nation. I certainly don't claim to have arrived or figured this all out, but you're I have close, to say you're close that though, baby. <laughs> I've had several experiences with transgender students. You're kind of on the front lines with this. Yeah, I kind of am. Just last semester, I had a student who was transitioning male to female, or no, female to male. 
and had her name changed during the semester and I had to um, adjust the records and so forth. But when she came to my office telling me about some situations on campus that had caused a great deal of trauma for some of the transgendered students and that there were some, she had some friends that were expressing suicidal tendencies and she had not slept the night before because of it. She was trying to help some friends through some things or he, and sorry, when I expressed compassion for that situation and said, I'm really sorry that you're having to deal with this on top of being a freshman at at the university. And I know this is a hard semester for you. And she burst, he burst into tears and wasn't used to that kind of reaction. And I think that that's really sad. It's terribly sad. I have a close family friend that is also going through this and has been threatened to be disowned if this person goes public. And so that kind of reaction from the Christian community, we should be exemplified by compassion and acceptance. Let me use that as our segue to the next question. How should we be responding? Matt, I love, very honest. How would we respond? You know, I don't know how I'd respond if someone like that came into the church. Again, it's very complex because, Carol, you're even, you're even struggling using the right pronouns yeah. because you just fall into it naturally, yep. not yep. to be offensive. No. But it's just this person was male and now. Other way around. Or Yeah, right. So either way, it's it, it can get complex. It can. And they are human beings and they're need, in need of love. But, and I'm going to be the jerk here. Go ahead. Which is not hard for me to do. Isn't loving it, tolerating it? Isn't it? When I love them, aren't I just telling them it's okay? No. But isn't it just giving them permission to go further down that road? It's all kind of weird and crazy. Why not? They will not hear the message of Christ if they're rejected. That's exactly the truth. Exactly. Because there is a verse, and I'm sorry, I don't know where. What? If someone is communicating without love, what does it sound like to the listener? 1 Corinthians 13. It just sounds like a resounding cymbal or a clanging gong. And you think you're being the tough love. I'm giving them tough love because I'm telling them what they need to hear. I say that in a sarcastic tone of voice because the key thing is when you're communicating those things, you have to do it in love. And if you don't have relationship, very rarely can you speak in love. You have to have a relationship in order to earn the right to say those hard truths. The love has to come first and be the foundation. So if I go to a, uh, a pride parade with signs saying that you're going to hell, you're telling me that's bad. That's not going to help anybody. But if you go to a pride parade with water bottles and talk to people, that might do something. Yeah. And especially if you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And they'd be like, are you sure? <laughs> and how incredibly sad is that? How should we respond, Matt? I want to hear your thoughts. So you've got you've got a problem, my friend, and I'm with you. This is going to happen at our church. We're going to have people who it actually has already happened, right? But we will have in the future, and I want this to happen at our church. An individual come in, and they will either be in transition, or they'll be somebody who is one sex and will be dressing as the other, and you'll be able to tell. What do we do? We tell them they can't come back? No. Um, do we change the sermon 
so that we use all the verses about male and female, like Chad referenced earlier, and look at them the whole time? No. I mean, I think, you know, in general, missions work hasn't changed a whole lot. You talk to the person, you get to know them. Everyone's a sinner. But isn't this, isn't this a worse sin? Isn't this worse? No. Why not? There's a lot of bad sins, and we all commit them. We are all wicked. And sometimes we lose sight of that when we try to act perfect. But we, we are all wicked. And fortunately, the standard is not perfection, because then none of us would be going to church. I think that in Christian communities, these people can find healing to the extent which it's possible. Some of these people are quite, quite damaged, to be honest. Not all of them, but some of them are. There's potential for you know, healing which cannot happen anywhere else. And the idea that we're just going to you know, say someone's a sinner and so they're not welcome, that's, that's an absurd notion of Christianity. I'm going to go out on a limb here with another question. Is it a sin to be struggling with your identity? My first initial thought is no. Again, I'm going to go back to, you know, piggyback on what Matt was saying. I think we're all struggling with our identity. Exactly. So why are these people any different? Because, and I'm going to be the jerk here, because because they have an agenda, because they're trying to, like Matt was saying earlier, they're trying to overthrow traditional family values. They don't understand it, most of them, but probably, hold on, some of them probably understand that they're actually tools to the devil, and they have been sent to destroy Christian morality and the Christian nation we were called to be and live in. And I'm saying That's that, with, I know, I agree, not me talking that, but that is... That's a response. That response makes me want to ask, have you ever actually spoken with a person who's transgender? No, I wouldn't do that. Not me talking. This is a problem. I mean, that's, that's not me talking. That's... I know. I'm... Yeah, I was hoping you'd clarify that. I'm clarifying. <laughs> I know. I'm hoping people listen. I know people who are transgender. Because that was pretty harsh. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a very common response among Christian circles. Carol and I know someone... That is their response right now as someone. And it's not me. It's not Chad. It's Matt. No, it's not Matt either. (laughs) It's not Matt. So we'll try to bring a little bit of levity to this, although it's not a funny situation at all because there have been suicides. There are people right now contemplating taking their lives because they, they feel this way to the core of their bones. They're not making it up. They're not pretending they're in pain and anguish, and maybe, Matt, you're right, maybe it was born out of this vacuum of what used to be the norm, right? And, and most likely they've been rejected by at least part of their family, if not all. And they have to deal with, as imperfect, even the four of us sitting around these microphones trying to figure this out, using the wrong words, maybe having people turn the podcast off because we said the wrong thing on both sides, this issue is not going away. You know, when I was struggling in my life with very significant things, I went to Solomon's porch and I wasn't rejected. I was embraced. I was loved. I was helped. And, you know, frankly, that's how we should respond to these people as well. And we don't. Wouldn't it be beautiful we have lots of opinions and we can throw scriptures out and that's not always wrong or bad because the Bible is something we 
very heavily rely on as, as, as followers of Christ. But wouldn't it be beautiful if the church became the number one source of outreach to this community and say, hey, we want to journey with you. We want to understand where you are. We want to provide help where we can. And not the kind of help that says, hey, there's this camp we can send you to, and then we're going to pray for you know you to be um, you know uh, released from demonic possession. We'd get you delivered. Not that kind of help. But also not the type of help that says that everything you're doing is right. Absolutely. Because I can tell you right now, in my daily life, not everything I'm doing is okay. And I need my community. I need my three friends around the table here to go, you know what, Dave? You can't do that. That's bad for you. That's wrong. But that's out of love. And there are quite a few transgender young people that don't have homes because of the rejection of their families. So it's a huge part of the, there the are homeless a lot population. Of that we could meet. And if we really are, and I got, I'm preaching tomorrow, and I'm preaching on Father's Day next week, and we're going to be going in James one, I think it's twenty six and twenty seven. True religion is taking care of widows and orphans, and I don't think he meant because in that day those were the ones that were being neglected and ignored because they right. didn't have value or power to the norm, you know, to the majority. Right now people who are transgender and then fit into this community and identify as this, they're the widows and orphans right now. And we are called to go and go love them, to be with them, not to the extent, but love is doing what is the best thing for them on, from God's point of view. And you cannot speak harsh truths without relationship. If you do that, you're, they're not going to hear you. Right. And that's what makes this tough because some of these things are challenging and they're scary to us and they seem to be like they're infringing upon trying to destroy what what we think is valuable. But I have something big to say. Do you? Yeah. Okay. All right, this is monster. All right, it's going to upset people. Not no, monster energy drink because that's evil. No. Yeah, if you tip it upside down. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> anyway, that's a joke. That's, that's it's, a it's joke. A, it's, it is a joke. Anyway, go ahead. Within the Pentecostal charismatic of which I am, you identify proudly. I d- identify with proudly. There has always been the term New Testament church. And the New Testament church in that respect is saying that they believe in the full gifts of the Spirit, fivefold ministry, they believe in these things, and other churches don't. So right. they are the New Testament church. And what I feel like the reality is, is no church is the New Testament church because the New Testament the church was the counterculture. Yes. And here in the United States, the church for years was the culture and everything else was the counterculture. To and an extent, yeah. To an yeah. extent, as in terms of Christian, Judeo-Christian values have always been the norm. Well, as we've defined Judeo-Christian values, right. as I modify that, but yeah. Okay, well, hear me out. I'm hearing. Okay. We are now starting to see other things come out that are contrary to Judeo-Christian values that we are so accustomed to, that, and that's going to increase. Oh, absolutely. That's, there's think, a reality to that. Right. I think that the church is about to experience what it's like to be a New Testament church in that we are now going to be the counterculture and the things that we have not seen as normal are going to become the culture. The church 
does not respond well when it's married to an empire. Amen. And that has been the reality of America. And I'm very privileged to live in America. And I'm very thankful for a lot of the things that I've been blessed with quite frequently. But the church was never meant to be part of an empire apart from when Jesus himself rules and reigns. Because apart from that, it's going to go poorly. It's man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. Men are leading the country, whether they profess to be Christian or any other religion, it's going to go poorly and just because they're men. have agendas that are impure. And by men, I mean mankind. Men, women, yeah, absolutely, because women could be messed up too. Last words, last thoughts before I wrap this. This is a good podcast. I uh, thank you guys for your responses and thinking about this, and I hope it's been helpful for you listening. I hope it's helped if you are someone who identifies as part of the LGBTQ community, man, I sure hope that uh, we don't sound like idiots. If we do, I, I really would like to know. Um, I hope maybe it gives you a little bit of hope that there's actually Christians out there that would like to get to know you and your story. And for those of you who are believers or followers of Jesus Christ, and uh, and not that the two can't be, not that the two are mutually exclusive, but right now it seems to be most of the time they are. If you're a member of the church, boy, I hope that this has helped you kind of reframe and rethink about what your response should be because you need to have one. I appreciate uh, all of you out there. Please spread the word about this podcast. We really want more listeners because what we think of, we believe what we're talking about is important. So spread the word and uh, hopefully you'll listen next time. Thanks. Thanks.